Oh, we are live. Yes, we are live. Um, well, welcome everybody tonight. It's uh, March 8th, a month away or a week away from corporate uh, deadlines, I think, for, for many uh, in the profession. And, you know, we'll see who joins tonight to actually watch or listen. Uh, and then a month away from the uh, IRS deadline. Um, but yeah, I want to I want to welcome our special guest tonight, Cindy Squires. So, such a pleasure to have her join us. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm excited to be here, and it's International Women's Day. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> well, we yeah we definitely didn't want to talk about International Women's Day as three dudes on a podcast on our Facebook. <laughs> so <laughs> we're we're so thankful that you could join us. And Hector, what are you what are you drinking? Uh, and uh, what you, what's what's some, what does what do you have special going on tonight on um outside? On the bar. Well, first of all, the weather is incredible. It must be like 71 degrees. Oh, man. Yeah. So it's it's just uh, I, I know I, had, I haven't had a cigar probably in two months. So I figured I'll we'll take we'll kick it back old school and I'll just relax back here. I'm actually uh, in my garage. I'm sitting at the edge of my garage. I have my phone uh, kind of attached to a chair. I have a selfie light and a lightning adapter hooked up to a headset. So we'll see how this works. Let's see, let's see this will work. And you're going to post a picture of that into the chat for him, right? So I can see your rig. I, I put it in the Facebook chat. I mean, on the, on the messenger chat. So you can post it in, in the Facebook thread if you want. That's great. That's great. Well, um, and Andrew, you just got back from QuickBooks Connect London. Have you, have you recovered? Uh, I don't think I've fully recovered. Uh, my voice is back, thankfully. I lost it the first day I was there, which uh, made it oh so fun because even losing my voice couldn't shut me up. Um, <laughs> people, they tried, but they couldn't do it. Uh, no, is that, is, that, is that Andrew Walthing or is that a Canadian thing? I, I don't know. What, trying to shut me up or speaking yeah. too much? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely an Andrew Walthing. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, not, not stereotypically Canadian. We're supposed to be the polite reserved ones, right? <laughs> Oh, that's really great. Well, um, I think tonight we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna talk about um, you know it being International Women's Day. We've seen a lot of posts from different people on Facebook, all over social media about International Women's Day, and um, and so one of the reasons I asked Cindy on was so we could talk about it in a more balanced way, and um, but yeah, and get in, get an actual woman's perspective um, um, about the profession. So yeah, we wanted to talk about just the different ways uh, men and women uh, and, and especially love to hear Cindy's perspective um, as a woman on how you do business, how you run your firm, how it impacts you think, or maybe doesn't impact your um, ability or perspective in running your practice. And so, uh, so since, since it's international women's day, Cindy, why don't you kick us off? Uh, maybe this first question is uh, for people who are watching or listening that maybe never um, met you. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, just your kind of background and, and, and your firm. Okay, so um, my name is Cindy Squires. My firm is Mile High Bookkeeping Services. So we're based in Denver or South Denver. And I've been an accountant for over 15 years. I've had my own business for about four or so. And, you know, it's really, we're just helping small businesses succeed just in general, right? And we're using QuickBooks Online as our uh, platform to do that. And then third-party apps. Hector's got his cigar. <laughs> I just noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, like we're we're just, um, you know, I do try to to keep the firm not not really on purpose, but you know, um, women uh, female oriented, I guess. Um, you know, I try to help people with. So, for example, one of my employees, she's virtual, and you know, she has kids, and so she stays at home, right? And I'm a single mom, and so, you know, being able to to work virtually and have my own business gives me the flexibility to do that. So, I think that, um, you know, that's actually a really important point: is women and families, right? Because a lot of us, I mean, we all like. I know you, Michael. You've got family. You've got kids, and Hector. Um, Andrew, you know, it's, it's kind of like the different roles between men and women and then trying to run your business at the same time. That part is really difficult. 
um, you know, for women, we're seen as the caregivers and the ones who are supposed to take, you know, supposed to, hmm. you know, take yeah. care of the kids and, and focus on that part. Um, you know, should we be focusing on children or career? And then you get people that are, why are you focusing on your career and not your kids and a lot of mom shaming and things like that. Whereas I feel like men probably don't get that. You know, you, you focus on your career, you do that, you come home, you play with the kids, you know, um, and I'm generalizing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think that that's, that's a really big. I don't think you're generalizing. I think, though, that that's one of the things that, that's hard, though, is I think you almost get the reverse shame for men, that if you want to stay home and, and spend that time with your kids, uh, there's almost the reverse shame that you're not spending that time and energy on building your career. Um, so I think that's, that's the hard part uh, for men is literally the opposite. Uh, perspective right but yeah I, I see that uh, unfortunately you're right there is sort of that 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 dialect between women where you know it, it becomes either you're are you for your career or you're for your family like why can't it be both right and I think that's one of the great things about the technology and what it's enabling now is is allowing people to have both those careers was was QuickBooks and being able to build your business in the cloud a big factor for you being able to have that balance Yes, definitely. Um, you know, I was working in corporate all, you know, up until about four years ago, and there wasn't really a lot of flexibility. You know, I want to be able to leave to pick up my kids from school, or they have a presentation at school that I want to go watch, and, you know, things like that, and they just, you don't have that flexibility. Now, as, as a small business owner myself, and obviously being able to work virtually, I can do that. So I can work at night, or I can even, you know, I've taken my computer to the kids school like while I'm waiting for something to you know to happen or I'm answering emails on my phone and that type of thing um I sit on the board of our of our school is I can be a lot more involved now um than I was before so I think that you know I am looking at my kids and trying you know making them they're important right and I'm and I'm trying to find that balance between career and my children and having my own business was one of the ways to do that. Yeah, I guess we all still struggle with finding that balance even after we've got this great technology. Because now that technology is everywhere with us, it's hard to shut it down. Right, right, yes. You know, I, I just got back from vacation um, two days ago, um, hence the sunburn. And, uh, but, <laughs> um, you know, and it was really hard not to not to work. You know, I've got my laptop and well, you know, let me just answer a few emails and then you just go down the rabbit hole, right? So, <laughs> and I think we all, um, we all end up doing that. And, and I tell myself every time, you know, but I can't bring myself to not take the laptop. Yeah. And not take it. <laughs> my kids are starting to guilt trip me now. My son brought home a book about daddy and his iPhone. I was like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> is, this a, is this something he wrote at school? No, it's like they now have books about parents who are on their phone too much because oh, it's such a big is, issue. That and is so my, so my son connected with that book about his father being on his phone too much. I was like, oh, God, that's painful, but true. <laughs> I think, you know, another I, thing with family, you know, just kind of following on on that is, you know, we, we as women, we have to go through working while we're pregnant or breastfeeding or, you know, and those kinds of things. I mean, that's not something that we can pass on to you guys as much as we want to. So, <laughs> you know, like that's, we have to deal with that. And, and it's difficult. And, and, you know, and it's probably, it's, it's hard for business owners too, right? Like if you have employees that are pregnant, you know, they're going to be gone for, for a little while after they have the baby and you have to figure stuff out. And, you know, I know that that's part of the, part of the reason that we have such lax maternity uh, laws um, in the U S you know, but yeah, we're definitely a little better about that here in Canada. How much time do you, do do you guys get for maternity in in the U S none, none. None. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. You guys are very lax. We, we, we get nine months up here. Uh, and so it's, yeah. Um, which is, it's, it's an issue from two sides. Um, which I, I mean, I think it's such a necessity to enable that, that important time with, with a mother and a child. And in fact, you can also have paternity leave. It can be split. Um, so with the parent and child is maybe a better way to put it, but the, the issue, and in fact, one of the things when I was in London, I did the hackathon and one of the people who presented, um, presented a hack about, um, a tool to help get, 
women back into the workforce after they've left on maternity. Because what happens, uh, according to this um, woman who is um, very well educated, very experienced in in this issue, was that so many women go off on, on maternity leave and never ultimately come back. Or when they come back, they have to really almost start anew. Um, so this was a tool to try and enable people to to be able to continue that career and come back at the levels that they were at uh, when they left when they left because so many women when they had their children it really shut down shuts down their career even if they don't necessarily want it to like if they want to come back now they have to come back at a, you know they've lost a whole year how do they get back to where they were and the whole business has evolved and changed since they were gone um, so that that's an issue I guess one of the great things about being self-employed is that you don't have that issue one of the downsides is it never shuts down you're working through your pregnancy so did were you when you were when you had your children were you still at the corporate job or had you started your own practice no i was at corporate um now fortunately with my daughter i was in the cayman islands and so we had different maternity rules there and stuff so we had it was six weeks which is still not that much but you know and um but when i had my son i was here and, you know, take him to daycare at, well, I had to do like, you know, short-term disability and all this kind of stuff, you know, just to be able to make ends meet while, while I was home trying to bond with my child and, um, you know, but, but that's, that's not even the only issue you know, you also have um, people who want to stay home with their kids until they go to school, right? Like yep. until they're five yep. or so. And then how do you get back into the workforce after that? Yeah. Um, that's a long, that's, you know, that's much longer than just the nine months or the year, you know, that you're, that you're off on maternity leave. So that's, that's another, um, you know, another thing. And, and you're right. If, if you have your own business, it's obviously a lot easier, but, but, you know, I would be doing it all the way through. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I could stay home. My, I mean, my kids are in school, but you know, I could stay home with them. Like spring breaks coming up. I work from home, you know? Yep. Right. Uh, right. And it, it seems like, uh, that the, where technologies come in cloud accounting for those of us in the industry. Um, it's funny because uh, we, we come across candidates that we interview. One of the, one of the top things we get from our, from candidates is we thought your job ad was a scam. They, they think it's too good to be true, which tells you that tells me that in the industry that the still there's the still there's a minority of jobs, a minority of companies willing to let their, accounting employees work from home or even have the idea of flexible work, right? That idea of remote work, flexible work, flexibility is still such in the minority, which is crazy to think about because of technology today. And um, why wouldn't a company wanted to broaden their horizons and get the best out there instead of, instead of just the person that will meet their rules um, or meet traditional rules. But so it seems like with, with running a firm and, and uh, that gives you, it gives parents and new parents more options uh, because our maternity and paternity rules are so are so basically don't exist here except for FMLA, you know, so they don't lose your job. Uh, it seems like there's ways for you to leverage kind of as, as an entrepreneur. Um, and it sounds like for you, Cindy, and, and what I hear from other people is that entrepreneurship actually has empowered you to be a to to create the flexibility that you wanted that the laws. Um, in the country, because they don't exist, the laws weren't able to provide you. And entrepreneurship was able to provide you that. Um, and and the kind of the the phenomenon of, of cloud technology, as well as freelancing and being able to go find your own clients. And so that's that, that's really really cool. Hector, have you seen have you seen this impact kind of your your um, employees or work or how you how you um, you know how you look at? Um, I'm sure you've had employees have children or um, you know, partners that have had children. And so how have you seen that impact you? Interesting enough, the only employee in my company that has had gone through, uh, you know, having a child is my wife. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's been, and it's been four instances of it. So mm. I've, I've had, and my wife is one of the most important employees in the business, although she's very much behind the scenes, you know, she doesn't really talk to customers that much. Um, but she, she does all the tax work. Like she literally prepares like 350 tax returns a year. 
I mean, she's, she's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I end up doing the actual final work and signing it and all that stuff, but she does all the pre pre prep work. And, um, and, and there were instances, you know, what, when, when the babies were young, where that certainly uh, impacted it a little bit. Now, we had all of our children outside tax season. Some people think that we planned it that way. <laughs> Is that a good strategy, so, Hector? <laughs> yeah, so, so they were literally born, two of them were born in May, right after the April 15 deadline. And the other ones were born in September and October after the corporate deadline. So it's kind of funny uh, how, how that worked out. But to piggyback a little bit of what Cindy was saying, when, um, when I started my business, it happened a big, I mean, my wife and I both had jobs and we had, we were making pretty good money. We were married for about a year and a half already, two years. And, um, and we really weren't foreseeing quitting one of our jobs uh, to start a business right when my daughter was born. But I literally started my business <laughs> the same day that my daughter was born because uh, when my wife, when my, when my daughter, when my wife gave birth, we had this debate about three months before on whether or not she would get back to work. And the general idea is that she would take the three month leave and then we'll figure things out. And like uh, Cindy said, you know, she yeah, literally, when my daughter, yeah. yeah, when my daughter was born, you know, it was literally the day when my daughter was born. She, she looked at me and she said, I think I may not go back to work. You know, it's all these emotions are going on. And, and, you know, I was a father for the first time and I'm watching my wife who just, did the miracle of, of like giving me my, giving me a child. And all I could say is, yeah, yeah, of course, whatever you want, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, but, but then when, um, when the three month ended and she went back to work and she worked, I think for like two or three weeks, she really couldn't, I mean, the whole, you know, like pumping and stuff was just like, like a real big burden for her. Plus she, she didn't want to be away from her newborn. And I, I understood. So, so we, we, we went at this together. Like we made this decision together so we looked for what businesses could we open you know what business could we open and we randomly found bookkeeping because i used to be kind of an it guy and i used to do a lot of remote support for different things like a lot of log me in and remote support and i figured you know what if we were to use this remote technology to do accounting bookkeeping services and mind you my wife and i didn't have accounting degrees we literally went to barnes and nobles and bought bookkeeping but workbook for dummies and that was the very first book <laughs> that we bought uh, actually we read two books uh, uh, andrea and i read two books it was one it was bookkeeping workbook for dummies and the other one was michelle long's how to start a successful bookkeeping practice wow. from home so we read those two books and we said let's do this i mean how, how hard could it be right <laughs> uh you know and uh, in, in many ways the desire to have a family and to be with a family was the genesis of starting a business. I, I think that now I probably make more money than I would if I was employed. Maybe, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure I would have gotten promoted and all the stuff in the bank when I was working. But the real reason it was, it's not the money. It's, mm -hmm. it's just the freedom. Mm -hmm. It's the freedom to make the schedule. But at the same time, I don't have freedom at night. Like I, I don't go to sleep like employees go to right. sleep, you know, like I go to sleep thinking about my customers, about the right. next video I'm going to make about, are my Google ads turned on? I mean, like all these things, <laughs> you know, go in your head when you're a business owner. But I feel that over time you learn, you, you learn how to work in your head. And in the case of Andrew on your phone uh, and deal with your children at the same time. And it's, I think it, that's the most rewarding part is I literally take, walk my kids to the bus stop. And I literally take my kids to school every day and pick them up every day. And I think that's the real reason why it's worth doing this and going through this endeavor. So for my wife and I, it's, it's a team sport for sure. You know, like uh, we work together, which has a lot of negative things, you know, like when we fight, we're fighting about work and personal stuff at the mm. same time. It's all mixed together. You know? Like <laughs> we missed a deadline and also forgot to flush you know, like all <laughs> and, and, and wash the plates, you know, right. like we're, we're, 
all both of those things are happening at the same time. You know, like you forgot the escort collection and also you didn't take your trash out <laughs> yesterday. You know, like all these things are mixed together. But that's kind of the beauty. I think it's part of the beauty of it and a lot of the fun of it. And I think that uh, for family units mm-hmm. where husband and wife work together, I think that's even more powerful than if one person had a job and the other person was running the business. Because I think, I think that two, one plus one equals three synergy thing does work really well uh, in there. But you have to be able to separate at times, you know, the personal stuff with the business stuff so, yeah. to be able to to be able to stay sane. No, that's, um, it, yeah, that makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Um, makes a lot of sense, Hector. And and uh, I, I, you know, I, most of the entrepreneurs I meet, they are not going into it for the money. They hope they can make money. They hope you can hope, but you you know at, at at the underlying about it is most entrepreneurs want freedom they want control they want to be able to control their destiny and create something with their hands um, whether it's a service or product um, and they they want to do something that they're passionate about and that might not be the job that they're at currently and so um, the the money part ends up being uh, a well it's great if I can make some money on the way you know and and but, at least make but it Michael money. you you have employees yep. that are employees and entrepreneurs. Yeah. But they have the freedom, right? So oh, yeah. it's not uh, like owning your own business is the quickest path to freedom. But it's not the I only way. It's not the only path. It's not, it's the, not only the only path. way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's many employers like you that are being innovative and they're looking yeah. for ways to to kind of meet them halfway, right? So like, right. look, you you're gonna take some risks, but not all the risks, right? I mean, you have some. You there's, can't there's make trade off. There's trade offs. Right. There's trade offs. Can't make yeah. as much money as I can, but. You will take some risks right. and you will make decent money, but you will have control over your schedule. So right, right, yeah, and and, and it's funny, and but you know, to your to, to that point, yes, you're you're right. But again, as I said, like the candidates that come to us and and our and our best one, some of our best ones have said, I literally did not respond to this job ad at first or your email because I thought it was a scam. I thought what you were offering was a scam. It's not possible that it could this could be real, and then they find out it is, and so that's really a you know. It's a great feeling, uh, Cindy. What um, I, I I love your thoughts on what are the advantages? Do you, do you think what are the advantages that um, being a, a mom, being a mom that's you know had, had children in corporate, and now being a female entrepreneur running your practice? What advantages do you think there are in that for you versus um, you know the three of us dudes that <laughs> haven't gone through? child rearing and uh i mean uh, you know birthing literal physical human beings <laughs> um what advantages you know from your perspective are there um and i th- and i think there are i think there, there there's got to be because of how amazing some of the female entrepreneurs that i've that i've known and i've met that are running firms but what are some of the advantages you think i i think you know one of one of the biggest advantages is for us is we realize how how strong we are that we can you know we can do anything really you know, so we can have these kids and 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 raise them and have our own business, and and that is empowering in and of itself. Um, one of the biggest things for me, and this is just kind of recently that I'm starting to notice this. So my kids are 10 and 11, and they're starting. They're watching me, and especially my daughter. So she's able to see, you know, as a woman, you know, when she grows up and she's, you know, a woman, she can do this. This is something that she can do. You know, we were talking earlier uh, um, in a panel uh, with Practice Ignition earlier about how, you know, years ago, women really weren't seen to be running businesses and stuff. It's really the men, at least the face of the business, right? And a lot of women um, didn't really grow up with their mothers or, or female figures running businesses and, and as some kind of a, an example to them. And now we have that. And so that's a huge advantage, not really for me, but for my daughter. So she can grow up and she can see that this is possible. And she knows that from now. And she can make that decision. I mean, she doesn't have to run a business if she wants it. She, she can go to corporate, but at least she knows that she can do this. The other thing is I think that, you know, females, we come, we come at it from a little bit of a different perspective. So it's, you know, women are more... Uh, you know, we tend, well, this is not necessarily good, but we tend to put ourselves, put other people first, you know, put ourselves behind other people. Um, again, generalizing, but, uh, you know, so we, t- 
maybe we take, I don't want to say we take better care of our clients, but you know what I'm saying? Like we put them first, we put them before our needs. And, you know, maybe a client comes with a, some outrageous request and we're like, all right, let me see what I can do. Whereas maybe, um, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe you guys would be like, nah, get out of here. Like, you know, or you maybe you'd feel more comfortable saying something like that. Whereas for us, and, and at least for me, I can speak for myself, you know, I'll find, try to find some kind of a way, even if it's just completely unreasonable, right? And that's, it's a downside, but it's, 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 it's a difference, right? It's a difference in how, in how I think we run our businesses as women compared to, to men. What, what do you think? I, think that's I, probably... I like to add something, but oh, go ahead, go ahead. Andrew, no, go ahead. You go Hector first. Oh, so there's a, a famous psychologist, or for some reason, infamous psychologist. His name is uh, Jordan Peterson. He's from Toronto, I think. Or, or he, he's, a, he's a professor of psychology in Toronto. And he's a bit controversial. I don't know if you guys have heard about him. Um, he's got a book called 12 Rules of Life. Maybe you've heard about him, Andrew. I have. And, I think you brought him up once before. Yeah. And um, he, he talks a lot about, the, like, sort of the, typical two you know the typical differences between the genders he talks a lot about that and it, it takes some people off because a lot of people don't like to say well you know a gender is or isn't this and, and I get that but he's a psychologist so you have to take his his, his word for something and one of the things that he says he says is kind of interesting is that women tend to be a bit more complacent you know where where they tend to say yes more and men tend to be a bit more emotional when it comes to being asked for something they don't want to do. I, they tend to be a bit more resistant. So one of the, one of the things that I have observed, and, and Cindy, I'll let you please add something to this. I think that, that women have an opportunity to, especially when it comes to pricing, to value themselves a little bit more when customers are, are asking for something that's out of scope or maybe uh, something that's you know beyond what you were offering at first to be able to say, yeah, I'll do it, but I'll cost you type of thing, right? Because I think that many a times uh, that happens often. Now, that's not true to all gen across all genders because my wife is actually the opposite. In my business, I tend, I tend to be the one that says yes to everything. And my wife is the one that says, are you kidding me? You're giving away the store, you know? Uh, so it's, I don't think it goes across all genders. But is, is it true, Cindy, to what you're saying is that you say you take better care of your customers, but it's not necessarily always a positive thing. It could also be to your detriment. Yeah, I, I, I do think that, you know, and, and what you're talking about. So your example of someone coming and trying to get something out of scope, um, you know, perhaps we as women, if we tried to be assertive about that, we would be seen as being aggressive. And that's not. Uh, you know, that's a negative trait, whereas for a man, that's, oh, you know, that's respectful. Um, you know, I, I respect him for saying that, and you know, that type of thing. Um, and that's just, you know, I've definitely experienced that a lot. So I, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that as women, we would have to just have that knowledge that we, we need to do this. We know how we react to that. And, and you know, yes, I want to give this to you, but I need to price it. You know, I, it, it's out of scope, I need to price it. Um, and if we have that knowledge and we know, you know, that realization, then we can move forward there. Because um, I definitely fall into that trap a lot, uh, which is not good. <laughs> well, one thing I'll, I'll add to that, uh, just from my recent experience, I, I don't do a, lot, a whole lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching for other accountants and bookkeepers, but I, I did, I did have a program in which we had a group of people that signed up and we went to this sort of transformation path. And um, oddly enough, and I don't know if maybe this is just a coincidence, only women signed up for it. Uh, it was eight women that signed up for it. This could just be because there's more women than men in, in, in the profession in many ways. I really don't know, but it was only women that signed up and they paid a pretty hefty price tag, like between $2,000 and $2,500. And I got to tell you, they were all looking for change, embracing change. And they were really, I think, just quicker to adapt these new sort of semi-radical ideas we were, we were 
given them in comparison to when I share it with other men that are in the same profession. Like I find it harder to get like the old school men that are in the profession, which is really the sort of the majority in the CPA world to like think about any of these things like cloud or value pricing or just being innovative and thinking different. Most of them are just very resistant. And a lot of the women, regardless of the age that we talk to about this stuff, tend to be just a lot more open to it. So I don't know if it's a gender thing or something that maybe, maybe, maybe there's maybe an opportunity gap that's there and they, and they, and it's a bit more tangible. I, I don't know. I don't know what your, what your take is on that. Maybe. So I, I've been thinking about this a lot today. So I wonder if it's maybe women are listening more. So, so picture this, right? You've got a board. I think room. that's absolutely true. Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to, you're in a, you've got a boardroom and you've got men and women and you're, and you're having this meeting and the men are the ones that are speaking up uh, and the women aren't, aren't speaking. And it's not because they don't have something to say, but they're really trying to absorb what, what is being said. So I think that that, that could be the answer to your question there, Hector. I mean, that could be why, Know, why the women are more receptive to what you know because maybe the men are like nope I have I this is how I'm going to do it and you know and I get that with male clients sometimes you know they're telling me how to be an accountant because this is the way that they've been doing it in the past and shame like, on okay. them shame <laughs> on them and not all of them of course <laughs> but, you know like I, I do get that and a lot of times it's just not a good fit right um but yeah, I think maybe maybe that listening and just being able to sit back and 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 pay attention and look at everything and observe and then make a decision from there. That that made me think of something, uh, something I did observe this time around that I had just kind of long exposure to coaching these people, that every single word that came out of my mouth was taking a bit more literal than when I basically talked to friends. Uh, you know, like when I talked to Mike and Andrew and any of my friends about, you know, ideas and about accounting and stuff, they pick up like every three words, you know, and then they construct, <laughs> they construct their story with a third of what, what I'm saying, just because I think that men for the most part are thinking about the next thing they're going to say rather than deep listening to the other person. And Hector, I, I, no Hector, I can only understand every three words. That every three words. <laughs> that, that's another issue, right? Right. That may just be an issue with my accent. But one thing I noticed that I wasn't prepared for was for like, if I make a mistake on one thing, like if I said, do this or don't do this, and I misset it, they're going to go back and say, hey, you said this. And, and that caught me a bit by surprise because I tend to be very loose and not very careful with what I say, just because I'm used to like people reading between the lines or understanding every three, three words and then constructing the other thing. So I think that that may be, now that may just be, a trait of the gender or maybe a trait of the specific people. But I think that for the most part, men, or at least my friends, Andrew and Mike, I will pull them in the same category. We are always kind of thinking about the next thing we're going to say, rather than wait for the person to finish every word and then think about it and then say it. So I think that from, for that perspective, women are a little bit better than men at like thinking about what the other person said and not being quick to answer something immediately. Yeah, I think I think I agree with Hector. Most men are terrible at listening. Absolutely terrible, you know, uh, person talking right now, truly, I'm I, I myself, we're just terrible at it. Uh, most men, and that's why most men actually don't know much about other I don't men. I want to say something else. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> yeah, kidding, Mike. Exactly. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, so like most men don't truly know about the other men in their lives because they don't take the time to listen and ask. So we're, you know, we're terrible at asking questions. We're terrible at listening. Um, you know, if, 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 if you were to ask any man, who, who are the men in your life you truly know, or women in your life, you truly know about them. Like, you know, you know, everything about them. Um, they, you know, most men couldn't tell you very many people because they just don't, take the time to ask or listen um it and it, i think i think men unfortunately um talking aggressive being wanting uh, wanting up on the stories wanting up on the conversation and being the one to end the conversation that's a sign of 
winning. That's a sign of power. That's a sign of strength. You know, that's the traditional signs. Um, and sitting back, listening, thinking, waiting on your response, think, formulating articulate words, using less words, isn't seen um, as something um, that is, you know, that men strive for in, in kind of at least Western culture. I know other cultures do, but at least in Western culture. And, um, and so, yeah, I think I, I, I totally agree with Hector. And I found, I found the women that have worked for me, the women that I've, I've been, had the fortune to do business with and to work for, uh, to be better listeners, more articulate. Um, they, they choose their words better and they're willing to say, Hey, let me think about that. Right. Let me, let, let me take the time to think about that and process that. I'm start, obviously stereotyping, so I'm not trying to, but it's just the interactions I've had, I, I, I've had. And, um, you know, and I'm thankful that the majority of my staff are women because they kill it. <laughs> they do a great job. And, and I've had very few men that have worked for me absolutely kill it and actually deliver. Um, and the ones that do, uh, you know, tend to have the pride and stubbornness enough to go and start their own firms, right? And so like they go try it on there and goes like, well, I could do it as good as Michael can. So I'm going to go out and do it on my own. And so men are also very stubborn and, and very prideful about that. And so, um, yeah, I totally, I totally agree with Hector on that. And as you were thinking, Michael, I was thinking about the next thing I was going to say, uh, as you were talking <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I just remember, I, 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 I've been studying, like one of the things I've been studying lately is negotiation, like overall, negotiation. I've been reading this book called uh, Never Split the Difference uh, by Chris Voss, who is a uh, FBI negotiator and or ex-FBI negotiator of like hostage situations. Uh, Andrew probably heard, read that, read or heard the book because he's shaking his head. Yes. So one of the things that's like sort of a basic negotiation technique is the first person that talks during the awkward silence is the one that loses. And I think men are the worst at basking in the silence. Totally. You know, like, like if there's a silence, they have to be the first to speak. And to me, because of that, and because I know that, to me, it's much easier to negotiate men or push over men. Because in negotiation, I'll say something and stay quiet. And the, the minute the other person talks, they lost. Because they, they, they gave away more information that I needed to win that deal, right? Where, where most of the times when I say something to, and I say stereotypical too, but women are just much better at just not saying anything. And that drives us absolutely nuts. And then we're the ones that have to say something and trip ourselves over because we are just not as good as women in general at embracing the silence. I don't know, Cindy, if that, that's true for you or, or if it's different. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, honestly, I'm not very good with the silence either. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of actually with you guys on that one. But um, but no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And it's interesting, just this, this, this piece of our conversation, I'm thinking about my kids, right? My daughter is 11 and my son is 10. And these differences that we're talking about, I see in them too. Like it's, you know, my, my daughter, she listens to everything. I say my son doesn't listen. He's 10. So, I mean, it could just be that. But it's it's but it's 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 very different, you know. Um, so I I think that the emotions that that we bring into things like negotiations and and meetings and conversations and stuff, um, I don't know if women bring in. It's probably just different emotions, right? It's not like women are emotional because obviously that's that's a stereotype as well, right? Women are too emotional and that kind of thing and. I think it's just different emotions. Maybe men, maybe men go into it with this bravado, like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to win and I, and I, and I feel very confident and women tend to not feel quite as confident in, in themselves. Um, you know, I think maybe perfectionism is, it plays a role there as well. I know for me, I, I feel like I have to know a hundred percent of, of a topic before I can talk about it. And that's not really what it should be. You know, I should just be giving my perspective on, on, on something. And my perspective isn't wrong, it's mine. So whereas men, I feel like, are just very comfortable to do that. Like they just, 
like, you know, you guys just get on here and you talk and, and everything's fine, right? Um, so it's something that I've had to learn uh, to, to change about myself or to recognize anyway. I don't have to, to know everything, but a lot of times we feel like we have to know everything. And that comes from other, you know, other people thinking that we have to have, um, you know, accolades and, and that type of thing. Do you guys get asked, for example, when clients come in, do they ask you what your credentials are and how you know what you know? You know, whereas women, no. we get asked those types of things yeah. and we have to explain that to people. And it, you know, that's nuts. we're used to it, but. Yeah, that's, and that's, and that's, that's absolutely nuts. And, and, and I mean, that, that is kind of an absurd reality and it should not be there because just because I, you know, was born with a, a certain, certain privates or whatever in women and you weren't, or you, you know, it's like, has nothing to do with my abilities, your abilities, credentials. I mean, I could literally be a shyster and we know this, we've seen these shysters on Facebook, right? Try to sell us stuff. And you know what? And most of them are men that are trying to sell this kind of shysting stuff. And, um, and so, yeah. So how, you know, how to, how to me having any credentials or having to, you know, and then, uh, and not being asked, but then a woman having to be asked, that's just so, a ridiculous reality that I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that you have to you deal with that um, at all. You know, and w- one of the things that, that this topic brought up is I know that we're talking about kind of the society we run in, um, but there's also a, a matter of uh, ethnicity and race that, that kind of falls into this. Because I, you know, so one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is, is if I am in a group of, of, of older white men in a convert that are having a conversation and I'm in that conversation, I actually, um, close up because in, in, um, and there's two reasons. One is I was taught growing up that when you're around a group of older men that, um, and when I say older men, I mean, like if, if they basically have if the rest of the men have gray hair, <laughs> then I basically, yeah, just like, like kind of Andrew's Andrew's beard. Then I was taught in my culture to honor their words and to say very, very few things. Um, in, in Eastern culture, you honor the words of your elders and you, you basically don't speak until you're asked to. Um, so I've, I've viewed kind of older white men of that. And then the second part is because they're also white, I've used to seeing, I'm used to seeing uh, older white men in, in, in positions of power or leadership. And so I will take the, I will immediately, even though I might be the boss in the room or I might be the subject matter expert in the room, I often find myself taking the position of, of listener or stepping back. Um, and that's something I've had to overcome as an entrepreneur to realize, wait, I'm the one people are hiring. <laughs> I need to speak up regardless of the genders or ages or colors in the room. And I do find myself more comfortable um, and, you know, uh, not, you know, not expect, especially for this call, like this call is, or we have three people, we have a diverse group of, people on this call. And I find myself more comfortable being myself when other people of color are in the same conversation or room, even if they're not this, you know, Asian, like if they're just a different, cause I realize, okay, if somebody else from a different perspective or background is in the conversation, um, I feel comfortable to share my perspective. Um, so ethnicity and I think race also play a big part with gender, uh, and I think there's both, there's advantages and disadvantages to all of them for everybody. So I, I do see some level of how do you play? We can't, we can't change who we are. So how do you play to those advantages and disadvantages so that you could run your practice or your firm or your business? Um, yeah. So Andrew, what, do, what are your, some of your thoughts you've been listening and drinking? Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I think, wow. I, I think that's, uh, I love how deep you went there. Cause it was funny. I, I, I was actually, I love that you're that introspective that you recognize that about yourself. Cause I was actually commenting when we were in London to, to Brad about how I saw you really come alive when Bob Wang was on our call. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you don't really have a, uh, like there's no, you don't have a problem talking, but your energy level, like you were just, mm-hmm. you were like almost, almost a, a more energized, more open person, you know, sharing more personal aspects of your life. Um, and it, so I guess it's, it's, it's that, you know, having someone from your cultural background or even though he's not from the same culture, but just Asian um, helps you open up and feel more comfortable. And I think that that's the hard part for me 
is, you know, I am, I come from, you know, I'm a white male privileged, all the benefits you could possibly imagine. <laughs> um, so I don't necessarily understand and appreciate all the things that, that, that people have to struggle through. Like, I didn't know that Cindy uh, or that this is an issue that women face all the time is having to be asked for their credentials. I've never once been asked for my credentials. I, I hang them on the wall proudly, but never once, even when I wasn't hanging them on the wall, was I ever asked. So, I mean, that's one thing that I'm curious about from Cindy is what are the struggles that, that women face? Um, and, and I guess also for, for everyone else on this call, um, people from different ethnic backgrounds and, and what cultural barriers do you have to face to overcome to when you're an entrepreneur? And what are the things that you face? And, and Cindy, this would be a really interesting one to hear from you. Are they different, the barriers that you must face as an entrepreneur versus being in industry? Or are they the same? Can I just add something real quick? Um, I think the race conversation is a bit more complex than maybe the, la the last 10 minutes we have here. So maybe we should, I don't know, just for the sake of it, just throwing it out there, we probably should give uh, race a whole nother uh, episode just because it's it's a bit, bit more complex, I think. Oh, we'll, we'll be bringing it up in every episode, Hector. <laughs> right, right, right. We got the rest of the year to do this, baby. <laughs> right. But, yeah, uh, you know, so uh, Cindy, go, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I just, I'm just, I, I know that because you, you're also a minority and also a woman. So, I mean, there's just, there's two, two, two things to discuss here, I think. So you're coming back next week to talk about race this week. This week. <laughs> now you're a regular, by the way, you're a regular host now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, well, right, yes, race is, is a whole other thing. And, and, and I think location is, is a separate thing, right? Because I lived in Central Florida for a while, and that's very different from living and working here. Um, but I, you know, I won't get into that right now. So corporate, uh, my last corporate job, I was a senior accountant um, and, you know, so high level accounting. When you look at the management, most of the management were men. There were a couple women. Most of the lower level accountants and clerks were women. There was, I think, one male, one or two. Um, and I always, I always wonder, you know, why, why, why is that? It can't be that the women are less educated in general, right? I mean, you've got this large population of women that, that they, you know, they could be management. I could try to be management, you know, is it because we're not speaking up and, and pushing for that? Is it because we're just overlooked because we're, it's assumed that we wouldn't be strong enough or aggressive enough or, you know, whatever those characteristics of management are, um, are perceived to be. Um, I've never really been able to figure that out. I know that there's, you know, I'm sure that there's a ton of research and, you know, that kind of thing, but that, that was a huge difference. When I started my own firm, obviously it was just me, but I got to be that management. I got to be the boss. Um, and it was different. It, it, it was, it, it, you know, I'm used to, you know, before I was used to people telling me what to do and giving me tasks. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know, I, I should be doing this other thing, but I, but I would never say that. I would never come out and suggest that, um, that we should be doing something different. And, and, and running my own business, I get to do that. So I would say that's the biggest difference between, you know, corporate and running your own business as a woman in, you know, with looking at men, you know, at, at the same time. I, I feel like, I, you know, I don't know, and, and you guys can, can jump in on this, but do you have any perspective on, because I'm assuming you guys all worked in corporate a little bit, at least before. Um, did you have that same kind of experience? Um, and if you were in management, like how do, you, how do you think that that happens where the men are the ones that are being promoted and, and the women are being overlooked? Is it truly that the women don't have those skills or is it just, we're not speaking up? Because I think that it would be, it would be good to hear from men for other women that are listening here. Um, you know, what, 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 do, what do we need to, to portray? What do we need to look at in, in, inside of ourselves to... to oh. Yeah. I'll, I'll chime in. I, I may have an idea, but okay. I, I don't know if I have the answer, but I may have an idea. Um, I think it has to do a bit with risk taking. I think that uh, regardless of the gender, I think that 
the more you're propensed to take a risk, to take a gamble, and to say, promote me or I'll leave. You know, like, hey, I got to get promoted or I got to get a race or I'll leave. I think that, I think in my experience, at least for people that have worked under me, I have, I've heard from men more often that sort of statement, right? I need to get a raise or I'll leave. I need to get promoted or I'll leave. Where I'm not as used to seeing it from, from, from a woman. Now, I, I don't know if it could be my exposure, but I think risk-taking, regardless of the gender, it's one of the traits that helps people advance, either as an entrepreneur or even in, in the workplace. And I, and I find that, that maybe the women I have dealt with are just, for some reason, are more risk adverse than men. Do, do you think that may have something to do with it? It, it could, but then it's, it kind of goes back to what I was saying before, where if I go into a situation and I'm being more aggressive, then I'm not seen as, you know, I, that's a negative thing for, for a woman to be like that. Um, you know, I think someone on, on uh, Linda, I think, said, you know, that you're labeled the B word, right? Like, <laughs> whereas a man is, if they come in like that, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's a risk taker and he's aggressive and he gets things done. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, Cindy, it's, is, it, is it the same if your your boss or your superior, whatever, you know, it's a man or a woman when you do that? Is it, is it the same? So if, if your boss is a man or your boss is a woman and you are pushing back and you are taking risks and you're saying, hey, do this or else, or I'm putting my foot down or here's an ultimatum, do they react different? Or do they, once they're above you per se in a position, do they both react the same way to your pushback? I would say no. I, I would say that they don't. And that's just been my experience. Obviously, you know, um, we're generalizing again, but... I think that some women, myself included, sometimes we would be less inclined to push against another woman because we don't want that to become some kind of a, you know, a cat fighter. Yeah, I mean, you know, not that that's what it would be, but you know, whereas a man, it's more, um, I don't want to say subversive. That's not, that's not the word I want to use, but, uh, but maybe, maybe that's what it is. Uh, you know, the man is, is, coming in and is saying, you know, this is what we're going to do. And I maybe don't feel comfortable pushing back um, with a man because of that, but not because of an argument or, or, or cattiness, right? Like if I had pushed back against my previous boss, who was a man, um, and he came back and said, no, we're going to do it this way. I would just be like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm just, we'll just leave it like that. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the things I've I've always encouraged my employees, the majority of which are women um, in my management team, is I tell them, if you want something, please ask for it. Don't, don't be afraid to ask for it. Don't be afraid to fight for yourself. Don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. And I am, by telling you this, I'm advocating for you to advocate for yourself with me. And if you don't advocate for yourself, I won't know this is, I won't know what you really want. I want to know what you really want. And so I think it, it is going to take men to create environments where gender um, is not an issue, but also gender, there is a recognition that gender does approach things differently. And I also think at the same time, it takes women to do it so much so that men just realize, wait, oh no, it, women aren't being mean. They're, they're being assertive like we are. <laughs> they're being what we, what we ask men to do and what we expect men to do, we should be expecting women to do and in the workplace. And so I think that almost that those stereotypes need to, need to be broken or go away because it just needs to become the norm that um, women, uh, women should push back because their opinion is not being heard or they frankly know the right answer. Some, you know, a lot of the times they should push back. And I think a a manager or a CEO or a boss with their worth their two cents, that's, that's a man, would consider that diversity of opinions and sit there and, and go, that diversity is an advantage for me, you know, and is willing to listen and also realize they have an asset in front of them that um, they want to develop and keep as a part of their team, as a part of their company. Um, but I do, uh, you know, I think all the studies I've read about this, putting aside everything, all the 
actual science studies around like, why do men get paid, paid higher? You know, why do men advance faster? Uh, it all, it all at its core seems to stem from men tend to ask for the things they want sooner, more aggressively. And, and it is viewed in, it is then viewed as some a, a man with ambition, a person with ambition and it's viewed, it's viewed as appropriate. Whereas women tend, it seems like the studies have said they ask once. And if they say they're told, no, they kind of step back instead of pushing for it where a man won't do that. A man won't step back most of the time. They'll say, okay, well, where can we meet? Can we meet in the middle? Can we meet? Can I get 75% of what I asked for? They will fight for what they want. They will advocate for themselves. Um, and I think, I think that we need to create environments where, where both genders can do that and not feel like they, they have to step back. Right. And I would like to, you know, just put this out there to all, all women, you know, that are, that are listening. I think that we need to show confidence you know, we have to have confidence in ourselves and our abilities. Um, my, my older sister is an orthopedic surgeon. So she's, she's in a completely male dominated field, right? Which I can't imagine <laughs> what that must be like, but she, and she's, you know, um, she can roll with the rest of them, right? But she is a very confident person. And so she just says that she doesn't think about what the men or, you know, like how a man would react or anything like that. And I think that that's really what it is. We need to go into these situations with this confidence and not really care about what other people are thinking or how they're going to react. We just say, this is what I know to do. And this is what we're going to do. And just be completely confident in that. Because when you start kind of wavering and, um, you know, then that's probably when people start saying, hey, you know, she's getting emotional about this and start putting in, you know, those female stereotypes. The confidence we need to have confidence in ourselves and our abilities and not necessarily sit in the back. We need to listen for sure, but then we also need to be able to advocate for ourselves and step out um, and, and do what we know is right. I think regardless of the gender, that's good advice for everyone to set the expectation from the get-go. I think a lot of it has to do with how you present yourself when you first are going to get the job or when you're first going to uh, take on the client. This is whether you are an accountant with your own business or a person looking for a job. I think that many a times just that, that subconscious desperation to get the job or get the client uh, pushes us to be sort of a pushover at the beginning. And then it becomes very difficult to make that paradigm shift. But if you are a young person, a woman, or even a man, and you're, you're going to get a job or you're going to get a client, if you know that you want that relationship to be uh, equal from the perspective of I want to be heard, I want my mind to be, uh, so I, I want to be able to speak my mind, I want to be able to be heard, and I want to be part of the decision-making of whatever we do, I think a lot of it has to do with that expectation we set from the get-go. Because a lot of folks, whether they're men or women, and, and maybe it's more, more, more common in, in women, uh, just at the beginning, they're very complacent and very sort of pushover, like just to get the job, get the foot in the door. And then they say, well, I'll figure it out later. But then it becomes very difficult because you set the expectation wrong from the get go. So I think that's just good advice for everyone to say, if you know you want this relationship to be two sided, you know, don't start by being complacent right from the beginning. So one of the things I would say is, is when you go for a job interview, Never accept the first offer. Never, ever accept the first offer. Okay? Never, don't let the other person place a value on you. Because the minute you do that, that's it. You, you, you start off with the wrong foot. If you really want the job, at least push back and say, I'm worth this. And if they say no, and they still want you, they'll say no, but here's a plan to get you there. But, but you, you got them to say it up front. You got them to, to, to at least accept the fact that this is not going to be a complacent relationship where they accept the first term and the first term only. I think that that's just good advice for everyone, regardless of gender or race or whatever. And I, I think Andrew was going to say something. I interrupted him. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it's, it's I, I got to preface this with a little bit of background. So I grew up in a, in a house full of women. So it was myself, my mother, and my two sisters uh, after my parents had separated. So I grew up 
They're very female dominated um, environment. My sisters have grown up. Both of them have been very successful in industry. Um, and so I'm giving my feedback from what I've heard from my sisters, uh, as opposed to trying to say like, this is what it is. But one of the things I hear over and over again from them is the cattiness between the women. Um, of there's, there is this pressure from, from what I've hear from my sisters that you're either, you're either the bitch who is aggressive and asking for what they want and pushing forward with the typical male type personality, or you're that more submissive, um, female. And, and the, from their perspective, a lot of the pushback is not actually from the men. It's all ultimately a lot from, from the women. Um, and the cattiness that you talked about yourself, Cindy, that you, you know, you're afraid that of being categorized as that bitch. Who is it? The men that are calling you the, the bitch? I don't know. Um, but I would hazard a guess that it's probably more likely the women that are getting, you know, that are stereotyping you. There's definitely some issues. There's definitively issues with those, you know, old gray haired men who are still, you know, very traditional, lots of sexist, inappropriate jokes and, and commentary and perspective. It's not to say that that doesn't exist, but that's aging out, I think. Um, but what's not aging out is this cattiness between the women. And it's almost like this competition. You know, we talked about earlier about this competition between are you a mother or are you a, a career focused? Are you um, are you a bitch or are you, you know, a nice, you know, the kind woman who's there and supportive and, and encouraging? And I think that, you know, coming from a very biased perspective, and I don't like I'm, I'm afraid of like this verging on mansplaining or whatever you want to call it. But I think that the key to this, the key to, to women empowerment is women and them working together as a team and being supportive of each other and eliminating this cattiness that I see um, ultimately dragging people down. And I think there, you know, there are so many issues that, that revolve here. There's the old gray haired men who are still inappropriate and treating people inappropriately. There's women being catty. There's issues with the fact that, you know, we talked about women having, you know, uh, you know, childcare and, and giving birth and the fact that that takes them out of their career. And, and how do you progress to be senior management when you're gone for one, two, you know, three years of your career at the key, like when, when men are hitting their prime and doing their best and moving up that ladder, you're out of the industry for, uh, you know, nine months, or, you know, if you have a couple of kids, like most of us, we all have, a lot of people have, you know, kids one or two years apart. So imagine how damaging that would be to Hector, Michael, or I, um, to be out of the career for nine months at a time for, you know, for Hector, for you, imagine being out for nine months, four years in a row, how damaging that would have been to, to your YouTube followers and your career. Like it would be so hard to come back from that. So there's, there's just so many issues here. Um, but I think that, that one of the things that is getting better is that there are now more opportunities than there have ever, ever been in all sorts of roles from science and technology. There's, there's technology itself that's enabling people to be entrepreneurs and create new opportunities, but the issues are still cultural. We still struggle with, supporting one another and, and encouraging and, and, and building this sisterhood that wants to see each other succeed. And, and there are, it's not to say those groups don't exist, but even with those groups that are out there, there's still cattiness that exists. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know, like, am I out in left field, Cindy? Do you, am I, is there any grain of salt or any grain of validity there? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And so, and I know we're um, running over on time, but I do want to say this one last thing and, and, and it addresses uh, that, Andrew, but, um, you know, one of the things that I always say, and I always tell my kids is that life's not a competition, right? Life is, it's collaboration. Um, you know, we're, we're all in this together. We really are. There's yeah. no, there's no need to be competing against everybody else. There really isn't, you know, we all have our little piece and, and we go with that, right? Um, so I think as women, we need to build each other up, collaborate, work together, um, you know, be a resource for other women out there and, you know, nix the cattiness. It's, 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 it's not necessary. It, it, it really isn't, um, you know? I mean, yes, there's people that you just don't get along with and whatever, that, you know, that's, that's a different thing. What I'm talking about is, you know, entrepreneurs, specifically entrepreneurs, we start our business and we don't have anyone there and stuff to be there for those, for those women that are coming up and the younger women that are coming up 
Um, and, and even having mentors yourself, uh, even if you've been in the business for forever, having someone that can, that can mentor you and, and, and help, help you through. Um, and men and women, it, you know, it's good for, for, for everybody. We all really need to think that way. Um, so life is a collaboration. And I, I want to, I think if we're going to close this out, I want to close this out by calling out all the women in our amazing tribe that do support and collaborate mm -hmm. with each other. Um, we are very lucky in our, in our tribe. You know, when I talk about this, I, I am talking in generalities. We are very lucky to have this small little tight circle of people who actually do support and collaborate with each other. Mm -hmm. And there's so many amazing women um, in this industry. I know Julietta Rohr is trying to do some amazing things. You got Tiff and Don doing what they're doing. You got Tanya doing what she's doing with her boot camper group. You, you've got so many women who are actually out there in our community trying to help each other out. So I, I think it's important to call them out um, and say thanks to all of them in our community who are actually doing just that because we need more people like that. And, and, and calling out and thanking you, Cindy, because, you know, my relationship with you is, is, through council and seeing you help and collaborate and working there and you're doing just that. So you are the living example of what we need to see more of. We just need a million Cindy's out there. <laughs> I, I say one thing, my grandfather used to say, you collaborate with others. You compete against yourself. I love it. Mm, that's great. That's really, really great. Well, thanks Cindy for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. We're definitely going to have you back because we got to, we got to have the, the race conversation, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the conversation having. Hector, Hector loves. And uh, thank you, Andrew, for making sure that our episode is marked E when I upload it to podcast. <laughs> Fuck it. And, a. Yeah. and uh, uh, really, pay, yeah, it definitely is going to be marked E now. I'll, I'll make sure to uh, uh, cut that out at the end. And, and thanks. E Hector. and triple A. E, yeah. e and triple X. Yeah, both now. now Hector, I do need one favor from you because apparently there's a drinking game going on in, in the chat channel. So you need to say value pricing and talk about marketing before we leave or people won't finish their drinks. I have to say it now, value pricing. <laughs> and talk about marketing. <laughs> and talk about marketing. Okay. I will say one thing, right? I'll say about that. It, it, I'll tie it back to the conversation somehow. For every every living person, you, you got to have a personal brand that you mm. build. If you're going to take a nine-month hiatus, whether you're going to travel the world or raise a child, whatever it happens to be, I think you always need to have a personal brand uh, that you have, whether it's through writing mm -hmm. or making videos or just be, staying relevant. Because I see a lot of folks that have this, especially people that apply in my job, that have this 10-year gap on, on their on their resume and then you ask about the 10-year gap and i know if it's a woman they're gonna say well i raised a family or, or whatever and that, and that's fine that, that makes total sense thank god for my wife who's, who's who's playing a big part of that role um but it would be nice instead of seeing the 10-year gap to say freelance blogger about accounting you know right. uh, like it, it would it would be nice to to see that the person lives their personal brand and their message and their skills even throughout the hiatus, regardless of what the hiatus should be. So when it comes to pricing yourself or valuing yourself to get a job later on, I think that you staying relevant and doing that branding and marketing, regardless of what you're doing, even if you're taking a hiatus, even if you're, if you, if you're unemployed, you should not put a nine-month gap. That, oh, I was looking for a job. If so, I dedicated my, the nine months to build a personal brand online. Here's my blog. Here's my right. YouTube channel. So somehow tying it back to that, <laughs> to, to try to take Andrew's challenge somehow. Well, with that said, everyone's drunk now. So we will uh, we'll end this call. Thanks again, Cindy, for joining us. Thank you. Have a great weekend, guys. Bye.